Um, we'll get out probably a few minutes early because they'll be trying to get everything set up uh, again for the for the play, and I'm trying to trying to do that. But uh, Proverbs chapter two is where we're going to look at. We've spent quite a bit of time in Genesis. Now we're going to just kind of not go verse by verse by any means through Proverbs, but go through some you know major chapters, major things in Proverbs. Of course, Proverbs is the book of wisdom. Uh, it's a vital, vital book. It's one that we need to read and reread and, and go over back and forth because it gives us so many principles about life, about marriage, about child rearing, about relationships in general. And so, um, but it, it is the book of wisdom. You look at Proverbs chapter 2, verse 2. I'm giving you just kind of a basic outline. It's that the first 11 verses of chapter 2 is what I call the plan of protection. And and here's where God gives us a plan of protection, how to, how to have our, our lives protected. In, in and honestly, it's an evil world. We live in an evil world. And now it's always been to some extent evil. I don't think it's getting better, so that therefore probably is getting worse. And so um, uh, it says, though, in verse 2, it's, I mean, verse 1, it says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding. So he's telling them, how, you know, this is, your, this is how you're going to be protected. If you're going to uh, do this, first receive my words, hide my commandments with thee, incline thine ear unto wisdom, apply thine heart to understanding. Look at verse 3, it says, Yea, if thou criest after, after knowledge and lifted up thy voice for understanding. Notice it used understanding twice now in two verses. Uh, if thou seeketh her as silver and searcheth for her as, as for hid treasures, God knows that, that we are so, uh, the best of us, uh, we, we would love to find money. You know, I mean, that's people search, spend their whole life after gold, after silver, after uh, trying to find the quick, you know, that's honestly, it's why they, uh, uh, I would, uh, would go to the, the casinos. One of the big things is people hopefully would love to be able to, to Get rich quick to find gold, so to speak. And God knows, he said, if you would seek after that with intensity, he said, with that same intensity, why don't you seek after wisdom? Seek after understanding. He says, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And so he gives us a little pattern here in the first four verses, and then he kind of gives us reward. He said, then, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Verse 6, for the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth and cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is the buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Again, as I, as I talk about, it's the plan of protection. He says he preserveth the way of his saints. Uh, then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. When wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. So these first 11 verses, you go through that, and in and, and this chapter, it's the plan of protection. God, and it comes down to verse 11, and he just makes you a promise. If you do these things, follow this procedure that he laid out in verse 10 verses. He says, then a discretion shall preserve thee, and, uh, and uh, understanding shall keep thee. 
And so, you know, the, we'll go into defining these words and looking at these words more, but I'm going to just kind of make a breakdown. Verses 12 through 15, the enemy is revealed. So he gives us a promise. He gives us a formula, so to speak, and then he gives us a promise, a result in verse 11. Then you pick up verse 12 through 15, and the enemy is revealed. If you look at verses 12 through 15, it says, Deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things, um, forward critical things, uh, attacking things. And, and, and that's something that God emphasizes over and over through the book of Proverbs. We need to stay away from the people that are always tearing somebody else down. And you say, why is that so important? Well, if for no other reason, to understand that, that you become what you hear. Uh, you, you, you listen to people tearing other people down. There's a couple things you have to realize. They will, you know, as soon as you walk away, they'll probably tear you down. Uh, number two, it tears down your spirit. It affects your spirit in a negative way. And so uh, verse 13, who leave the paths of unrighteousness to walk in the ways of darkness. And you remember the scripture, if you're familiar with it, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And it said, so they leave the paths of righteousness. Now the paths of righteousness, scripture teaches all over that the word of God is a light unto our path. Uh, God directs our path. He orders our steps. But God says that these people that you have to be careful of, that you, the enemy, you've got to be careful of them because they leave that path. They don't, they don't want to walk that path that God has well lit through his word. Uh, what they look for the path of darkness, and, and so it uh, deviate, deviates from the path of God. And then verse 15, whose ways are crooked, and, and they forward in their past. So 12, 15, the enemy is revealed. And then verses 16, and again, I'm just doing a little bit of overview of the chapter. Then I'm going to come back and, and we'll talk about some things. But uh, verses 16 through 19 is the warning. The warning that we're going to take a look at, verses 16 through 19, uh, it says, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Now, uh, of course, this is talking physically. Uh, you know, there's, there's a temptus all through life. You know, there's, a, there's temptation that's going to come into your life. But this often in Proverbs, a strange woman is the, is the comparison foolishness and wisdom. It's, it's, it's really the strange woman is foolishness, the, the, um, uh, it, which is, contradicts wisdom. And so it's, it's kind of... Uh, a little picture that's, that's been drawn here. But verse 17, which forsaketh the God of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. For her house, verse 18, inclineth unto death and her paths unto the death. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. And again, this strange woman, if you look through the scripture, uh, through Proverbs, it's always talking about foolishness. And if that strange woman is foolishness, uh, they, they, that it, it's going to destroy us. A, a fool will be destroyed, uh, the scripture teaches us. And so uh, then finally you see in verses 20 and 21, uh, well, not finally, we got verses 20 and 21 is the preservation the preservation. So you have this enemy that's there, you, the danger that's there, and God's warning us uh, there. Uh, but now here's a way of preservation. Verses 20 and 21 says that thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep 
the paths of righteousness. God makes it really, really simple. He says you get off the path, you, start, you walk the path of unrighteousness, you walk the path that takes you into foolishness, you walk the path that takes you into forwardness, the critical spirit, the critical tongue, the attacking spirit. You, take, you, you walk that path that takes you into darkness. He says, but there is a path that God has. And throughout all the Proverbs, he's talking about this path. He's teaching us about this path. He's teaching us how to stay on this path. And, and, uh, and his word lights that path for us. And, and verse 21 says, For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. And always remember that word perfect does not mean absolutely per- perfection because there's no human being that's perfect. Uh, all of us are going to fall short. All of us are gonna, going to fall short of perfection. Only Jesus Christ walked this earth in perfection. Uh, so we, we are, that's not the word. That, this word, by definition, means maturity. It, it, it means uh, that we are, have grown in our maturity and, and uh, grown in the Lord there. And then verse 22, but the, the punishment for the wicked that tries to take you away. God gives us a promise uh, in the preservation in verse 20, 21, and then he gives us the punishment uh, for those that try to destroy you. It says, the, but the wicked shall be cut off from the earth and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. And so uh, a lot of times we look at this world and we, we go through the issues, the conflicts and the difficulties of this world. And we sometimes think, you know what, it, it seems like the, the wicked prosper. Well, they do. They, they do for a time. Uh, because the ruler of this world is Satan. And, and the ruler of this world, they do prosper for a period of time. But it's not always going to last. Judgment is finally going to come, always does. Uh, you know, every, every wicked uh, man of the scripture, every wicked king, every wicked leader, every wicked woman, uh, eventually, they, in God's timing, they came under judgment. And so God says, the wicked shall be cut off. And the, the, uh, the transgressors shall be rooted out. He said, it's going to come. What we have to realize is that a, a day is as a thousand years to the Lord, a thousand years is a day. And what happens is we look at time and we think, wow, it's just taking so long. It seems like they're able to do this and, and rule and they're able to prosper for so long. Why is it that the wicked seem to be prospering so long? Why doesn't God do anything? He is. It's in his time. God's not based... Uh, we, we, God's not limited by time and space the way we're limited. We think in this finite, in our finite thoughts. Everything is, is, is just, we can't see it because God has an infinite mind. And his infinite mind is not based in time and space. And so he, the truth is, we may wait 50 years to see judgment of some extreme wickedness. But what is 50 years to God? It's not even a moment in time. It's, it's a twinkling of an eye. And so we think it's so long, but, it's, but to God it's not. So that's just kind of the, the foundation. So we're going to go back now, look at uh, chapter 2, verse 1, looking again. It says, My son, if thou would receive my words 
and hide my commandments with me. I want you to know the word that, again, that word receive. He said, my son, if thou will receive my words. Now, when you define that word, we talked about this in, a, in another lesson, but receive does not just mean to accept. Uh, if you go back, and if you remember just a little bit of review, look back at verse 23 of chapter 1. He says, turn ye at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I'll make known my words unto you. Now, God makes us a promise if we'll accept the correction that he has. But if you go all the way back to chapter 1, verse 3, you'll also see uh, this word receive used again. It says to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. And so this word receive is not just to accept. God makes incredible promise if we accept the correction that comes to us, and here he makes a great promise if we will accept the words that come to us, but it's a stronger word. God says, you ought to want this so much, this promise that I will pour out my spirit to you in verse 23 of chapter 1. And he says that here that thou shalt receive my words, it means to choose them. Not just to accept them, but to choose them. And and, and I'll give, you know, just brief illustration again, but, you know, I had, uh, uh, not had, I have six daughters, uh, but I had little ones at, a, at one time. And, uh, and, you know, the truth is I used to, when I preached this years and years ago, I would, I would bring up my little six-year-old Tara and I would say to the people in the church, um, you know what, if Tara is going to be punished, and I say to Tara, Tara, you did wrong, you're going to be punished. Does she have to accept that? She's six years old. Well, let me help you. She doesn't really have any choice. I mean, she could look up, no, back up. You know, she's, she might try that, but it's probably not going to work. So what, do I, what am I going to do? I, what I want is not for her to accept it because she has to. I want her to choose it. Now, Tara was really, really unique little girl because... Uh, she had five older sisters, so she had watched her older sisters, and the, she was very observant. Kid still is. Um, you know, when, at six years old, when the other girls were sitting in the back of the car and couldn't figure out how to get to church, I would say to them every once in a while, do you all know where I'm supposed to turn next? They've, been, they've taken this trip 900 times, but they, they still, you know, especially Heather, my blonde, uh, she would be clueless. She would have no idea where to turn. Tara's six years old. She'd say, yes, Dad, you turn right here. And they're all looking at her like, how's this look? She had little round glasses, look like adamant. Um, but she's, she's just there, just, uh, just amazing. Well, well, one day, uh, Tara got in, in trouble, and, and we were at the store, and I said, we get home, you're getting it. So we got home. I totally forgot about it. After a little while, Tara walked up to me, and she said, Daddy, aren't you going to spank me? And I looked at her and I said, kid, you got to be retarded. <laughs> no, I didn't. I looked at her and I thought, it really struck me, that's what God's saying that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to not only accept it, but to choose it. And as the years went by, I've even addressed that with her. And, and reality, what she was saying was, I don't want there to be a division right now. I don't want there to be a separation in our relationship. I don't want there to be something that's causing 
us not to be close. So as a six-year-old girl, she said, I want to have the discipline and I want a relationship mended. And that's what God says. God says, I want you to want our relationship to be so close that you look at me and say, I choose your words. I choose what you're teaching me. So the word receive means to choose the word of God. And to choose the word of God really means to hide them, to store them up, to lay them up, to hoard them, to protect them. It, God says we're supposed, to, we're supposed to let them become part of us. It's over in, over in Africa, you know, of course, a couple of weeks ago, still trying to recover from that. And uh, well, as I was over there, the, uh, there's a man, he's about 72 years old, just two and a half, three years ago, he was an idol worshiper. He was, he was just into so much, you know, of their culture. And, um, and he got saved. And shortly, and I probably already told the story, but shortly after he got saved, probably a month or two after he got saved, one day they said he had vanished into the bush, just ran into the jungle and vanished. And so Michael, my son, kept hunting for him, kept looking for him, and eventually after a couple of months, he found this man again. He'd come out of the bush, and he said, where you been? He said, the, the voices in my head would not leave me alone. And so they went through what's called spiritual warfare kind of prayers and, and things. We're trying to help this man just to get that from his mind. And he was freed from all of that uh, torment of the mind, these voices in his head. And when I was there, he was the translator. While we were there going to the villages, he was a translator and, and uh, just an incredibly kind man. And I, and I wanted to know what, what really made the victory for you. And in the back of the car... For about 15 minutes, he quoted one psalm after the other. Entire psalms. I mean, 20, 30, 40 verses, 70-something years old, and he had memorized psalm after psalm after psalm, and he just kept quoting that psalm. And it was a beautiful sound there in that, in that African dialect. You know, I, I mean, he was speaking English, but with that accent, and so... He, what he did was he decided to let the Word of God direct him, to guide him. And so he stored it up in his, inside of him. When you choose the words of God, you choose the correction of God, of course, and that's what we saw and what we just talked about. Why should we receive the words of God? Verse 2 says, look at verse 2, and it tells us why we receive the words, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. So God says, and, and again, Proverbs is the book of wisdom. It is absolutely cru crucial if we're going to su survive, if we're going to rear a family for God, if we're going to have a marriage for God, if we're going to have the relationships with other people for God. These two things are so absolutely vital, wisdom and understanding. Now, wisdom comes, you have to have knowledge. You have to have knowledge of truth in order to have wisdom. But once you have the knowledge, then Wisdom is knowledge applied. This knowledge of the Word of God, when you apply it to your life. But then he goes and he says understanding, and that understanding is when you have the wisdom to know the truth, but how do you deliver that? How do you deliver it to other people? How do you give the truth to somebody else? Well, understanding is communication with discretion. 
And God talks about discretion here in this chapter. He talks about wisdom, talks about understanding. But understanding is communication with discretion. How do you deliver it? Rather than, I mean, be honest with you, you know, sometimes people are in your face with this. You've got to do what I tell you to do. You know, I've, I've not always been very receptive to that. I've not always, uh, when I was a college student back here at Memphis State, a long, long time ago before I got saved, I lived by a philosophy. I didn't write it down, but, it, but everybody around me knew it. You can ask me to do anything and I'll do it. You tell me what to do and I'll spit in your face. That was my attitude. It was my attitude that, that I, I, don't want, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Now, again, wisdom through the Word of God taught me I need to receive God's guidance. I need to receive God's correction. I need to receive the correction of leadership. I need to receive that if I'm going to grow as a human being, as I'm going to grow as a father, as I'm going to grow as a husband, as I'm going to grow as a man. I've got to receive because you don't learn unless there's some form of correction coming into your life. Uh, that's what uh, Ms. Melinda is a teacher. What she does all day long in reality is just one correction after another. And it's not an in-your-face correction, but it's, no, that's, that's, you didn't work that problem right. So you teach them how to do it right. What did you do? You corrected the way they were doing the problem. And uh, so it's just very vital. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1, and you can turn to it if you want to. It says, Wisdom hath built her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. And when it says that she's built it, it means she has laid the foundation for her house. And then she chewed out her seven pillars. She laid the foundation, and then she put the structures in to, to support the house that she's going to have. So she lays the foundation, which means to gather all the right materials, to have the proper plans, to submit the master plan. Wisdom cuts the boards properly, has the right mixture in the foundation of the concrete, has the right quality of the materials. Then in verse 24, verse 3, it says, Through wisdom is an house builded, and my understanding is established. And so all this, hopefully, and I'm really rushing it because we got this play and everything that's going on, but, but um, wisdom uh, builds her house. Wisdom gives us, and when, I, when it talks about building a house, it's talking about building a house of a marriage. It's talking about building a house of children. It's talking about building a house of a church. Wisdom buildeth her house. How did she do it? The seven pillars. We taught that already in chapter one, seven pillars. But the seven pillars uh, are, are addressed, and I believe, in, in uh, Proverbs chapter one, verses one through, uh, I really, verse one through five. Uh, but wisdom has built her house through wisdom as a house built it. So the foundation is laid by wisdom. Wisdom gathers, this building right here, you had to gather all the right materials. And if you didn't use the right materials, the right quality materials, then it's going to fall apart. Well, if you don't have the right quality uh, materials, the right word of God, the right teaching in your home, your marriage is probably going to fall apart. If you don't have the right teaching, the right principles in your home, your children may fall apart. Uh, you may fall apart. Uh, and so God says, wisdom gives you the wherewithal to build a house. But he says, through understanding, it is established. Now, the word established means it will last. You know, 
understanding means that we go through this building, we use the right materials. Wisdom gives us the right materials to build it, and we use the right, right contractor, we use the right plans, we use everything right uh, to do it. Of course, this is the plans for the building that we're building called our life. But we use all the right plans, right quality materials, everything's right. And then, and then, but understanding is going to establish it, make it last. Well, what does that mean? That means that we, we continue to, to upkeep it properly. We, we use, we check the roof, we check everything. We communicate the needs that this building has. Well, in a marriage or in a home, we communicate to each other our needs. We communicate. Communication is the key to every relationship. You see, understanding is communication with discretion. And communication is the key to every relationship. Somehow we've got to be able to communicate. When we don't have communication in the relationship, we are going to have conflict. We're going to have issues. And we need to learn to talk to each other. Joe Beth and I, and I've just got a couple minutes more, but Joe Beth and I, you know, of course, been this, uh, I guess, 38 and a half years we've been married, and, and uh, I think that's right. Uh, but we, we learned a long time ago, about 20, 25 years ago. We don't uh, do it right now, but there was a, probably about a 10-year period where I had Monday mornings off. And uh, on Monday morning, about 10 o'clock, we go to a little restaurant for breakfast. Now, a lot of times we didn't have any money, so we might get a couple of cups of coffee. Uh, we might get a donut and break it in half. But, uh, but we would sit for a couple of hours, and that was our time where I would say, basically, hit me with your best shot. Because I'm rested, I'm ready, I'm mentally prepared, and I would say, what can I do better? How can I better treat you? How can I better communicate to you? Tell me what you need. And you know, it, it wasn't you know, just one way that way. We, we just talked back and forth because we were mentally ready. I used to say, and, and just a little warning, you know, it's so vital that we talk, but, but when a man comes in or a woman comes in from work, steps in the door, that's not probably the best time to have a long conversation about issues. Uh, when you're getting ready to go to bed, it's probably not a great time to talk about issues. When you first get up in the morning and you're trying to go to work, it's probably not a great time to talk about issues. So here's the solution. There's no great time to talk about issues. No. Uh, you have to set a time where you say, okay, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about the issue when we're mentally prepared for it. And I believe that's a time when you're rested, and when you're not rushing to go somewhere, where you say, okay, we got a couple hours, we're relaxed, let's just talk. And that's worked incredibly well for us. It's helped immensely. Now, we're not perfect by any means. You know, I'm, she's not. I'm pretty close. But the, uh, no, just, but uh, no, the fact is, is that it's really helped us to be able to communicate. And that's what understanding is. It's communication with discretion. And that's what establishes the home, the marriage, the church. You know, if we just communicate. I tell people all the time, if you, you know, best thing to do if you're bothered by something, tell me. 
You know, if you, you say, well, will you correct it? May or may not, but I can't do it unless I know. So that's the best issue. So it's about 19 minutes till. We're going to have to get ready for these kids to come, come in and